You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. This episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Named the best podcast of 2018 by Apple. Tons of fascinating guests. Untold stories you won't hear anywhere else. Expand your wisdom and discover other perspectives that you've never considered before with The Jordan Harbinger Show. Join Jordan as he interviews high-profile people as well as intriguing personalities. Each episode features a discussion that might just take you anywhere. I recommend episode 970, where Jordan and guest Annie Jacobson talk nuclear annihilation. How likely is it? How scared should you be? And what comes after? There's also episode 886 with David Farina, which delves into the wacky world of flat earthers. These episodes are great starting points, but you're sure to find deep, interesting, and thought-provoking topics throughout Jordan's catalog. Turn off the music and turn up the wisdom with The Jordan Harbinger Show. We really enjoy this show and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R. If you hear this message, please listen. There exists a dark organization who research nightmarish creatures, objects, and entities. For decades, they've been using you, the unsuspecting public, as test subjects. They are known as Redwood Redwood Bureau. My name is Agent Conroy, and I used to work for them. But now, I'm on the run. I'm leaking highly classified reports because I believe you have a right to know. When you no longer hear my broadcasts, it means they've found me. Redwood Bureau Report 5378. Egg sack. The classic 9-to-5 structure can leave many people feeling lonely. The workday that most of the Western world has come to live by, with day after day behind a counter or a screen, makes many feel left behind, burnt out, and pent up with frustration. Some attempt to overcome the isolation, the gaping hole that festers in the centers of their chest with various vices. Alcohol, gambling, reality TV, consuming media to escape the reality in which you yourself are the one being consumed. For some, this approach is successful at making their life bearable. For others, it is unfortunately not. When I joined the Bureau, I thought a lot of things. I thought that I was joining an institute that protects the public, a bastion of knowledge and of understanding things about the world that had never been observed before. A more selfish part of me thought of the Bureau as an escape from the aforementioned reality, from the mind-numbing work that I had seen all around me. I've learned a lot since then, about monsters, entities of pure evil beyond human comprehension, but also about people, 
I've learned how much they think that they know, and how much they don't. That was what finalized my decision to leave Redwood. How little the public knew about the horrors that surrounded them while they went about their daily lives, while they slaved for less money than they would be able to live comfortably from tenfold. Today's case is about a man who starts off with an ordinary life, a job that he hates, and a spider in the corner of his room. Two months later, he's found dead, tied to the ceiling with a broken jaw and thousands of what first appear to be black dots covering almost every surface of his apartment. Redwood agents extracted his final memories of his death to find 5738 responsible, an entity that appears to be a common spider, until it transforms into something truly monstrous. It does make one think, though, about how a life so set in stone can turn out to be very fragile, especially with an entity like 5738 still out there somewhere, able to blend in seamlessly to your local park, to your garden, and maybe even your bedroom wall. Sometimes I feel like I've been living the exact same day for the last five years. It had been like this since I dropped out of university, a decision that I both regret bitterly yet have little motivation to change on account of a complete lack of any sort of valuable assets. Every day goes like this. I sleep through my first alarm and then my second. The third wakes me up and I jolt out of bed, already late. As I run to the bathroom, I swear that I'll change the alarms before I fall asleep again. Make them louder, maybe, but I never do. Instead, I spend hours staring at the walls, paralyzed with dread. There's a spider in one of the corners of my ceiling, and sometimes I talk to it. I'm not stupid. I don't expect it to talk back or anything. I know it can't understand me, but sometimes it's just nice to talk to someone about how I slept or how my day went or whatever else happens to come to mind. I had been feeling a lot more depressed recently. And even before then, I never got an opportunity to share my thoughts for the rest of my day. Not in the two-hour bus drive to and from work, not in my crowded office emailing people about their phone plan or health insurance or some similar scam. Sometimes I give up, spending my day searching for spider facts or playing free browser games. Sometimes I think about deviating from the script of sending help me or I'm a real person or something equally pathetic. I never do. I fantasize about it, though about not being too ashamed to cry out for help as I hunch over a microwave meal in front of the TV, watching more attractive people with wider smiles living more interesting lives. And then I'm lying in bed, arms too heavy to even think about fixing my alarms as I blink in and out of consciousness. And that really is what it feels like. A blink, and another day doing absolutely nothing is over. A blink and my life is one day closer to its inevitable end with no house or marriage or dignity to show for it. At nearly 30 years old, the entirety of my earthly possessions can be boiled down to a dingy apartment full of mold and an empty savings account. So, I work. I live in my terrible apartment, working my terrible dead-end job, and spend my mornings talking about the terrible hope that still blooms in my chest, despite it all to the spider that lives on my wall. For a while, I thought it had died overnight. It had stopped moving for a week or so, and I had started to consider getting some tissue paper from the kitchen to scoop it up and throw it in the trash. But a few nights ago, it started making a new web. I was strangely relieved when I noticed, though I had continued talking to it all the same when it had gone still. As I said, I never thought that the spider would answer back, 
it was just an outlet. As embarrassing as it was to admit even to myself, it was the only thing that had been there for me. Day in and day out. That is, if it's even been the same spider since the beginning. I swear that it's been looking bigger recently. As if it had been growing as I slept. It was almost as big as my palm. Now one of those thick-legged brown ones, too. That under normal circumstances, I would be deathly afraid of if it wasn't for the numbness that had thoroughly overtaken my dull, monotonous life. Still, though, it did strike me as particularly strange when I woke up yesterday to find that it had grown noticeably bigger overnight. I had been seeing it for a few nights and mostly ignoring it, half believing that I had been making the whole thing up out of desperation for any sense of change or intrigue. Still, seeing such a dramatic change over the span of a single night did make me pause for a moment and consider this may be becoming a source of concern. After my shift had ended, I made up my mind, deciding on a whim to change my usual path and take a detour to the supermarket near my house. I did my weekly stock up of energy drinks and snacks before searching the aisles for what I'd really come for. Organic tinned foods, clothing. It was in the home aisle, tucked away at the back of the shop, that I found the spider killer. I look at the prices and winced, putting down a few protein bars and picking up the cheapest poison, a spray bottle. I walked to the front and swallowed, realizing that the self-service stations are all card only. I usually come a few days later into the month when I get my paycheck so that I can avoid talking to the cashier, but because of the spider killer, I had fallen out of routine. I think about putting down the snacks so that I have enough money on my card, and as if on cue, my stomach grumbles at the thought of my empty fridge. I stutter no less than three times talking to the girl at the cash register. She takes pity on me and attempts to make small talk as I stare at her like a deer in headlights, squeaking out one-word answers until she eventually gives up. As I walk to the bus stop, I try in vain to convince myself that my head is hung low from exhaustion rather than shame, trying and failing to block out the memory. The cold air fogs up my glasses as I fish my keys out of my hoodie pocket and swing open the door. Dumping my bag in the kitchen and flopping down on my bed, my eyes trail onto the spider and I take a deep breath, feeling a little silly as I start to recount my day. I don't stutter. I barely even breathe as an endless flow of words tumble out of my mouth, stopping only when I run out of things to say. I talk about wanting to kill it, about the spray that I had left in a bag in the kitchen. And as I hear myself say the words out loud, I change my mind. So what if it was just a spider? It had helped me talk to somebody other than myself, and I wasn't willing to give that up. I would just keep an eye on it to see if it was going to grow any bigger, and I would take it from there. There was absolutely nothing that I had to worry about. Even if its larger size was beginning to make its scattered rows of beady eyes visible to my naked eyes. As I swore that I could feel those very same eyes trained on me as I slept, watching me as I tossed and turned, and pretended that I couldn't feel its gaze burning into me. It was darker than usual outside when I woke up. I rubbed my eyes, still feeling exhausted as I reached across to fumble blindly on my desk to pick up my phone. My eyes scrunch shut when the screen lights up, eyes burning as they adjust to the unexpected brightness. When the pain subsides, I look back again, groaning as I see the time. It had just passed 3 a.m., only a few hours before my alarm was due to go off. I fall back into bed scratching at my cheek and begging my mind to let me go back to sleep. I scratch harder, and after a few seconds I groan again, dragging myself out of bed towards the bathroom. My face was so itchy, 
I must have broken out in a rash or something. Maybe it was the stress. I had been working more hours lately and well. I linger in the doorway and look at the spider. I swear that it had grown even bigger. And I could just barely see short spiky looking hairs covering its body and legs. The back of its body bowled strangely and it stared at me as if waiting for me to speak. I was beginning to regret not exterminating it when it would have been an easier affair. Tallying up my bills in my head as I entered the bathroom, I flicked the light on as I calculate what I would have to give up this month to buy another bottle of the extermination spray to make sure that I had enough to finally kill it when need be. My mouth falls open, and I double take when I see myself in the mirror. Red angry lines stripe my cheeks and forehead, raised splotches loosely concentrated into patches across my face. Eight patches to be exact. I think deeply as to why that number holds any significance to me. As I absentmindedly scratch my forehead, walking from the bathroom to the kitchenette with the intent of fishing out a makeshift ice pack in the form of a bag of frozen peas. On the way, I pass through the living room, eyes wincing shut again as I see my bright computer screen sitting on my coffee table. I cross the room to my computer to turn it off, trying to recall when I would have left it on. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play with my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I had been too late to work that morning to turn it on, 
and too tired after I got back to do much else but lie in bed. No, if it wasn't for the clear evidence in front of me that I had to have used it recently, I would have thought that I hadn't needed to use it for days. I knit my brow to see my browser opened on my work email. That was impossible. I can barely bring myself to think about work unless I'm actively at my desk, never mind doing extra while not on my shift. I click on the most recent email, the latest on the chain, a reply from my shift supervisor. That was particularly strange. I could count the number of times that we talked over the past few years on one hand. My heart sinks. I read the email, then I read it again. I go to read it one more time, but stop halfway through, eyes tearing up so badly that I could no longer see the screen of the laptop. It was a notice of termination, an informal one, sure, but it's not like they had any reason to keep me on. The reason cited was improper workplace conduct, which didn't make sense. I had never... I tried for so long to be good at something, to, to keep my head down and not mess everything up again. I scroll up to see the start of the thread. It was the email that I had no recollection of writing, sent just over an hour after I had fallen asleep. It was full of insults, threats, things that I would never say. Things that I would have no reason to say, yet they were there, right in front of me. I pull a shaking hand down from my cheek and barely notice the blood smeared on my fingertips and under my nails. I had to have been hacked or suffered some sort of psychosis. This didn't make any sense. Was there someone out there who wanted me to be fired? I didn't think that I had any enemies or anyone close enough to me to feel anything other than indifference. Or more likely, did I do this to myself in some sort of fugue state? A subconscious act of self-harm, screwing myself over on purpose as a some sort of sick punishment. I push myself up to my feet and unsteadily return to my bed. I curl up on my side, eyes fixed on the spider. I don't care that it looks bigger. I can't even bring myself to be that upset. I just feel numb vaguely disgusted. Disgusted at myself at the wretched reflection that I had been confronted with when I had looked in the bathroom mirror. Disgusted at how far my life had fallen to the pits of irrelevancy. Disgusted at the spider in the corner of my room that had only been become more of a problem due to my cowardice. It felt like a metaphor for my life. Problems getting bigger and bigger due to my inaction. My fear of letting go. And all of a sudden, I hated it. I shift to face the other side, not bearing to look at it for a second longer. On my pillow, I see four small puddles of blood, and the number of eight pulls at my mind once again. I knew for a fact that I had read it somewhere, knew that it had some sort of significance. I turn onto my back, huffing with frustration. My eyes gravitate back at the spider, and then I realize it. Did you know that all spiders have the same number of legs? Every single species of spider, from the most venomous brown recluse to the common house spider, has the same four sets of legs around their body. In hindsight, it sounds obvious, but I only figured it out a few weeks ago. I had been spending more and more workdays reading lists of spider facts, trying to find answers to questions that I hadn't brought myself to ask yet. What kind of spider had I been sleeping in the same room as for all this time? What kind of spider grew so quickly overnight? had coarse hair covering its legs and back. I had stood up without meaning to. I approached the spider, breath held and chest tight. One hand traces over the itchy patches on my face as I lean closer, examining the spider. It had grown grotesque. 
torso bulbous and eyes bulging. Its legs fanned out on the wall, gnarled like branches on a tree. A terrible, ludicrous idea occurred to me then, one that I had no business in having. I reached my hand around to the back of my head, where the spider's hairy torso would have rested. I jabbed my fingers jerkily onto my scalp and wince, fingers dusted with flakes of dried blood. So it was true. Whatever it was that had been watching me for all this time had been influencing me somehow, controlling how I felt from the shadows. It wanted something from me, wanted to isolate me from the little social interaction that I had left at work. It wanted me depressed and alone in my bed, spilling my deepest secrets to something that wanted me nothing but pain. I stumbled back, grabbing my laptop, before fleeing my apartment and running out into the streets. It didn't cross my mind to grab anything else. I had no cash other than what was on my card, and my few pieces of clothing were shoved somewhere back in my room. I stayed in a motel for two weeks. It was the cheapest one that I could find, and the inescapable scent of sweat and smoke clung to the peeling wallpaper as I rotted on the bed, staring at the damp spots on the ceiling like I was looking for the shapes of animals in the clouds. I could have stayed like that forever, living off of vending machines and tepid water, but my money ended up running out sooner than I would have hoped. Eventually, I came to a crossroads, spent another few nights ignoring what was happening to me, pretending like I wasn't terrified about what my life was turning into, or I could take a stand. Check out of the motel and take a stand for what might have been the first time in my life. I left the motel before the sun came up. I regretted that decision for every second on my way back to my apartment, every bus stop I passed feeling like a potential escape, a final chance to turn back. I kept going and only stopping once on the way to go to the supermarket. I know exactly where to go once inside, committed to memory although I'd only been there once before. I pick one bottle up, but then think better of it, picking up another. I had no idea how big the spider had grown in my absence, no idea what horrors would soon greet me when I returned to my home. The cashier is the same girl as last time. She scans my items in silence. I pay, and then look up at her eventually settling on a nod of thanks as she hands me my items. She nods back and smiles at me. I hold that smile in my mind as I make the rest of the journey back to meet my fate. As I walk to my apartment door, I find it slightly ajar, untouched since my hasty escape two weeks ago. I push it open slowly, carefully, and enter into my living room with a spray bottle in each hand. I don't bother looking around checking if anyone had broken in and taken anything, instead making a beeline straight into my bedroom. This time the door was inexplicably closed. I don't question it. If I had learned anything from this, it was that some things were beyond her comprehension, beyond any type of reasonable explanation. I edge into the room, shoulders tense like wound springs. I feel a cold sweat breaking on my top lip, and my heart feels high in my chest. I gasp when I see the spider. The sudden intake of breath making me desperately smother a cough as I shudder at the sheer size of it. It took almost a quarter of the wall, casting a huge looming shadow beneath it. The fibers on its body were just under the size of my forearm and it started to hook at the end. Every muscle in my body was taut, every thought devoted to running away as far as I could. The fear was almost palpable, thick in my throat. I'm not afraid of you. 
My voice wavers more than I'd like to admit. I close the door, not taking my eyes off of the spider for a second. It stares right back and I raise my arm and begin to spray. The smell is immediate, bitter, and acrid. It leaves a chalky residue down my throat as I breathe it in. It felt like spraying deodorant directly into my face. But I remained steadfast, spraying it directly into the seemingly unaffected spider's face. It raises one leg, carefully, slowly, but the movement makes me flinch all the same. Jerking back and nearly falling backwards onto my bed, I stumble back to my feet and continue spraying, slowly backing up to the other end of the room as the spider crawls towards me inch by inch. It's only when my back hits the wall when I realize that I've been cornered. The spider stretched across the doorframe as the gas rises. The spray tapers to a stop, so I throw it on my bed and shake the other bottle. By now, I'm panting. The air is so thick that I can barely breathe. My lungs start to ache with the strain, eyes stinging from the toxic fumes constricting my air. If I wasn't backed up to a wall, I'm not sure how long that I could have remained standing. The room started to spin beneath my feet. The spider still hasn't reacted, though I wasn't sure what I was expecting in the first place anymore. The spider was so big that it seemed silly to think that normal spider killer would even touch it and had this control over me. Clearly some sort of ability that other spiders could never possess. It all felt so stupid that I could have started laughing if it weren't for the gas clawing at my lungs. My vision starts to blacken at the edges. All that I could do is keep spraying as my knees weaken and arms begin to quiver as I fall until my knees give out. My vision darkens to black. I jerk awake with a gasp, looking down onto my living room floor in a sort of half-awake confusion that I couldn't quite shake. I go to rub my eyes but find my arms bound. In fact, my whole body looks to be trapped beneath a cocoon of layer after layer of what looks to be some sort of white string. I struggle against the binds and manage to sit up slightly, immediately groaning and collapsing backwards as my center of gravity shifts and my head begins to ache. I feel shrouded in some sort of persistent grogginess, whether it was from the harmful fumes still lingering in my apartment or as a result of being tied upside down for God knows how long. I blink, at least it feels like a blink, but when I open my eyes, the room feels significantly darker, as if hours had passed me in a second. I see something out of the corner of my eye and crane my neck to look past my feet and lurch back in my bindings to see the spider facing the wall, its back turned to me. From here I see something that I hadn't noticed before. At the end of its body, it seemed to have some sort of white growth, a bit bigger than my fist. It looked to be the same consistency as the webs entrapping me but more solid and tapered to a dull point the further it gets from the body. The spider begins to walk backwards legs slowly coming to cage me in on either side. I thrash back desperately, nails scratching and clawing as I try fruitlessly to push back to create some distance between myself and the spider. It was too late when I realized what was happening to me. By the time the growth came to touch my lips, I was too hemmed in to turn my face to either side, to spare myself with a less violating fate. I resisted at first, but as the spider continued to push at my head, I had no choice but to open my mouth and relieve some of the pressure as agony started to branch off into my skull from my teeth. The strain that had only just left my lungs was renewed as I struggled to breathe past the intrusion, only able to let out shallow pants as my throat began to spasm and clench involuntarily. The tip reached the back of my throat, 
and it began to thrash and gurgle as it continued pushing downwards and downwards as my jaw was stretched taut beyond its limit. A sickening crack fills the room and I go limp, eyes rolling into the back of my head, shaking and sobbing as tears squeeze out of my eyes. The part of me that remains present feels as if it's floating, pins and needles overtaking the lower half of my body. My last thought is of my office cubicle, of hours spent sending out email after email for minimum wage, fingers typing without thinking as I hope and pray to find the courage to stand up, walk out, and find somewhere where I'll never be alone again. In my delirious state, I begin to feel embraced by the spider as a wet pop sounds out and I feel a thick stream of something travel down my throat. I let out one last moan and go limp, eyes falling shut. The victim was discovered the morning after the incident, after a neighbor had heard screams the previous night. The neighbor reports that they had only reported the noise to the police when they had discussed it with their partner, as they had initially believed the noise came from an animal having never previously met the victim and not realizing that the apartment was even occupied. The victim was found tied to his ceiling by a mysterious fiber later identified to be silk, produced by several different species of arachnid, with several reported injuries. By far the most visible injury was his jaw. The inner corners had been crushed far beyond repair, leaving his mouth permanently hinged open with blood dripping into a sizable puddle beneath him from small tears and lacerations found in his throat. His apartment was infested with what was estimated to be thousands of newly hatched spiders, of which most were still alive at the time of discovery. Exterminators were sent to the apartment with chemical-grade insect killer to kill the remaining spiders, though it is unknown whether or not they were successful. In post-mortem examinations, more spiders were found inside of the victim's remains, mostly populated around the throat and stomach. The Bureau did a secondary exam when retrieving the victim's memories to find that several specimens were also found inside of both of his lungs, as well as several near his heart and brain for reasons unknown. Entity 5738 and its offspring are believed to be both alive and active threats to the local area, with several similar incidents being reported and subsequently covered up in the months following the incident. These incidents were reported in neighboring states to the initial case, leading the Bureau to believe that there are currently multiple mature spiders able to produce offspring out there, a problem that will quickly spread out of control if left unmanaged by the Bureau. 5738 was marked lethal by Redwood, though it is not fully known why the entity grew so rapidly. Whether it was the victims confiding in the spider, his need to confess his desperation to leaving his unfulfilling life, that eventually caused his painful death. I'm Josh Tomar, host of Redwood Bureau. Thank you for listening. Redwood Bureau is a horror fiction podcast and part of the EerieCast podcast network. For more dreadful terrors, follow Redwood Bureau on Spotify and iTunes, and check out our other podcasts like Unexplained Encounters and Freaky Folklore on your favorite podcast platform. You can find me on Twitter and Twitch under username Tomamoto, T-O-M-A-M-O-T-O, and my voiceover is featured in a wide variety of your favorite video games, anime, and other animated shows. Until next time, don't forget, this world is a strange one. Ah!